this is Property Matters, a weekly catch-up on all matters property, supported by Fairview International Property Consultancy and auctionproperty.co.uk. We're live every Sunday from 10am, YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, and our website, propertymatterstv.co.uk. If you're watching on the website, leave us a Google review if you'd be so kind. And if you're on the social media, then in the comments section is where you need to be discussing today's topics. And if you've got any topics for us to discuss or any questions, hello at propertymatterstv.co.uk is the address. If you don't have time to watch the show in whole, in total, then you can listen on the move with our podcast, which is available every Monday, 10 a.m. Just search Property Matters TV wherever you get your podcasts from. And we're also live on Dilse Radio across the week too. So let's have a look at this week's property news uh, with our property expert joe joshi hi joe good morning good morning uh, to all our viewers and of course our listeners on podcast you either get us in visual or you get us in your ear either way you're going to get us <laughs> I like that. You've rehearsed that, I can tell. Um, UK property prices increased by an average of just 0.6% in the 12 months of July, down from a revised 1.9% in June. This is the latest government figures. The average UK price now 290000 in July, which was 2000 higher than the corresponding month last year, but 2000 below the recent peak recorded in November 2022. This is from the Office of National Statistics. However, the latest property prices data from ONS doesn't necessarily reflect what is happening in the housing market right now, given that the house price index uses land registry data, which is based on average sold price over the average property, with transactions often taking months to complete. So this isn't the exact picture right now, but it's interesting that the prices, Joe, have been quite resilient, still 2,000 higher than this time last year, although it was, I think, uh, um, house price inflation was about 13% this time last year. Now it's just 0.6%, but it's still at least a positive figure. Oh, absolutely. And I've, I've always been an uh, avid supporter of the fact that houses and property investment is is the best investment you could ever make. Um, and even through these uh, very challenging times and challenging waters that we were, were going through, um, you can see that uh, the house prices are still being resilient in spite of um, obviously the national media sort of saying that house prices are dropping and, and they're adjusting. But if you look at the uh, the figures across the board, they are have been quite resilient considering the high interest rates that uh, have been um, actually put upon us um, over the last what uh, fourteen uh, consecutive uh, interest rate rises. That's uh, quite a lot, and um, so yeah, I mean you know investment in property is always going to be a good thing, and I don't think it'll be long before we start seeing those numbers going back up again towards the upper side rather than onto, onto the reverse of, of the downside. Suggestion in the industry is that cash buyers are partly behind why the fact that the market has been quite um, robust, because obviously this is an opportunity for those with the cash to get themselves a bargain. Well, cash buyers, I mean, cash is always king. Uh, we know that. And, and when it's a buyer's market, it is the cash buyers, the people that don't require um, big uh, mortgages or loans are the ones that are going to be able to go in and negotiate uh, heavily uh, and, and, achieve, and secure those things. And of course, it will be those buyers that are current in this current climate that will actually benefit on the upturn, uh, which will not be that far away because it's not often that it stays that low for too long. The only time we've actually probably seen that is from the financial crash crisis in 2007 till 2014 is before we saw a, an upturn. But uh, uh, having all everybody learned from that, I don't think you'll find that it will be that long 
before we start to see the curve going the other way. Um, so those that are buying now or are in a position to buy or have the cash to buy, they are definitely the stronger buyers. And, and they know that. They know that it's a buyer's market and they will do what they can to do that. Suggestion is that uh, prices are going to continue to fall to the end of the year. Do you subscribe to that? I mean, we've had uh, a surprise drop in inflation and obviously the uh, rates were held this uh, month. So um, things are looking um, a little bit more positive, I guess. Certainly for those yes. that are coming out, uh, those that are coming out of fixed rates, sorry to uh, add on the end there, but those that are coming out of their fixed rates, so that's going to be good news for them, isn't it? Uh, undoubtedly, and I think it's something that we've been saying in our uh, sort of previous programs that, uh, you know, come 2024, we will start to see a, uh, a turn. I, I've, I've been saying in my um, uh, comments that, you know, I project from the autumn budget that we will probably get this year, you will see a huge um, uh, throw uh, into the property market from the Chancellor and the government in itself, primarily because you know, they've now managed to get the, the inflation down from double digits to single digits, which has been painstaking. And of course, uh, yes, the, the fact that the, there was not an interest rate rise this week uh, doesn't necessarily say that the brakes are on. It, uh, it just goes to say that they were, they've slowed it down and providing the inflation rate continue, can continue to decline, which um, I would think that uh, by the end of the year, we'll be looking at about four and a half percent, four, four and a half percent. Then I, I would think that the next year we'll be starting to see the curve going back upwards because people are now getting accustomed to what is the new norm, the new norm at five and a quarter, five and a half percent potentially as the base rate for the Bank of England. There's, um, uh, there is obviously room for optimism because we've had strong wage growth. We've got relatively high employment by historic standards and uh, the lenders are looking at longer mortgage terms and there's a bit more forbearance from them as well, of course. Um, and that will help to steady prices. I suspect whilst it's going to be a much more muted residential market that we're, I guess we're not expecting to go off the edge of a cliff, are we? No, I think I think we've been saved from falling off the edge of the cliff. I think if those rates have continued to rise to sort of six, maybe seven percent, then yes, the cliff was getting much, much closer, and uh, most people will be looking to dive off the edge of that. But uh, for the time being, um, I think we uh, we have been saved from from getting to the edge of the cliff. The question really is, at what point does the market start to turn? And I think that uh, we will see some uh, good measures brought in. Um, for the housing market over the over the next couple of months, to be perfectly honest with you, you know, we've got uh, uh, October, November. I think the, the autumn statement is probably going to be around October, uh, late October, beginning of November, and you'll see that, you know, there'll be a lot of a lot of uh, goodies, as I say, thrown into that to obviously reje rejuvenate and regenerate the housing market for 2024. I read recently on that uh, score, actually, that uh, Rishi Shunak is considering actually um, lowering CGT and uh, with a view to eventually abolishing it. That's uh, one of his, uh, potentially one of his election pledges. I think it's in the uh, Times newspaper or Sunday Times. Yes, I mean, uh, yeah, I think the idea of having two taxes has always been, you know, quite annoying for a lot of people when you think that you've already paid a, a tax for stamp duty, then you're paying a tax on income, you're paying a tax on profits, and then of course you've got to pay another tax on 
uh, on death or or or, uh, or you know um, some sort of CGT that goes out. So he's obviously looking to um, create some sort of uh, winner, which uh, will be well received because you know a certain uh, age brackets, certain people that are investing are always put off by the fact that maybe they won't invest because they're going to have to chuck in 28% of capital gains tax um, just because it exists there. So that 28% is a lot of money that, that could actually go back to those people who will then actually reinvest because if they got that money they and they don't be penalized for it, they will reinvest it again and again and obviously keep the housing market at the level that it has been for all this time. One uh, commentator suggested that the total size of the housing market has actually contracted and um, they're saying that they saw the weakest quarterly spend in the housing market since the market reopened in June 2020 in the second quarter of this year. Uh, and in total, 81 billion was spent in Q2 this year, bringing the annual spend back to 406 billion, which was down from a peak of 521 billion in the year to June 2021. So basically, the weakest uh, sector or the weakest quarter since June 2020 when the market reopened. So uh, <laughs> I suppose there's two, like with all statistics, Joe, there's, there's two ways you can look at them. Absolutely. I mean, yes, it, it might be a weaker scenario, but uh, for, for, our, for us in, in the agency world, it's the buyers and sellers market situation that actually determines it. Right now, it's a buyer's market. And, and it will soon become a seller's market, but I think that will probably happen more towards the end of 2024, perhaps 25. But for now, it'll be definitely a buyer's market. And, uh, and of course, uh, you know, buyers should take advantage, full advantage, including uh, first-time buyers, for whom it is an extreme challenge at this moment in time, by the way. It's, uh, you know, it's getting money and, and borrowing and, and, and fitting into uh, the requirements that are needed by the lenders is, is very, very challenging. But where, parents of you know the old adage of bank of mum and dad or bank of family i think we we promoted it to at one stage um you know if you can get the assistance and support from that then there's no no better time than now to be able to buy that calculations uh, suggest that cash buyers accounted for 44 percent of all spend in the housing market in the year to june so just on getting on for half of all being cash buyers seems high Yes and no. I mean, it's it's high because obviously <laughs> borrowing has been extremely challenging. Can you imagine 14 consecutive rate rises? Nobody knows whether they're coming or going in a short space of time. And even if they've had a mortgage offer, they've had to be sort of, you know, getting a completion done in 10 days before they change their mind. So we've gone through quite a lot. So yes, you know, cash is king. People that have got the cash or uh, people that have got the equity in their property that are in a position to buy much, much quicker are going to be the bigger bigger buyers but in any market throughout the time that i've been in then it's been a buyer's market it is the cash people that always win they, they know that they'll sit there wait for that scenario to happen and when it does happen they will turn around and say we're actually having a position to negotiate the best price and i'm, I'm a cash buyer i can you know com complete this matter much much quicker and subsequently they will be the ones that will be the winners on the other side when when it does when the scale and the and the and the graph turns the other way um, and says that you know house house prices are beginning to sort of go upwards, and that's if it's in a five or ten or fifteen percent increase from from where they are, that's a, a great investment comparison to having money sitting in a bank or a building. Even though at this moment in time, some banks and building societies are offering good long-term interests for them, but there is that 
always that thing about um I suppose do I put it on black or do I put it on red you know it's like the roulette you know you 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 are a gambler in the sense that you know you want to make the best out of your money and if that's the case then those that have the money will turn around and say well actually I'll spin the wheel and see if I, if I can win it and I you know I'll, I'll buy cash and and, and re offer a reduced price and if I can win that bid um, and that happens in, in, in auction and it happens in, in any other way but uh, certainly if, if they've got the money they are definitely uh, having a go. It is a bit uh, interesting that sellers are worrying about the value of their home you know they're putting on the market oh it's going down in price but the, you know it's still worth a lot more than price the pandemic clearly. Oh, unbelievable, really. It's a short memory, isn't it, about everything. Everything is about short memory, and people don't realise that. And we, we could talk about so many things. I often ask, I was it, it, to a point recently, I was in a, in a social environment, and it was the day the Queen died, and I just said to them, do you know what happened a year ago? Something really important happened. And most people were like, well, what was it? What was it? What was it? And didn't realise that, you know, a year later, the Queen had passed. But it's such a short memory. And when you think when the Queen died, the whole world had come to standstill, but then a year later it wasn't. And it's the same with the pandemic. You know, when you look at what happened with the pandemic and, and the house prices were doing really well, but media says, you know, the house prices are, are crashing or they use, you use those powerful words about, you know, what is going bad. And we know that bad news sells better than good news. And so they always turn around and say, oh, it's, it's going down, it's not happening. And so that's what they want to try and do. But if you look at the overall percentage, let's say there was a 20% increase. And even if there was a 5% adjust, even if it's a 10% adjust, you're still on a plus as opposed to what it would be. Um, and uh, if you can buy with a 10% reduction now from what it was, you know, two years ago, you're still going to make that 10% other gain back again, perhaps in 24, 25. And as we've mentioned many times, it's now a buyer's market. So I guess sellers just have to be a little bit more realistic and uh, negotiate. Well, sellers are there, are, there are different types of sellers now in the marketplace. You have to also take that into consideration. Someone who doesn't have to sell is not a seller. You know, if, if it's if it's uh, if it's a, a family home and they bought it for a social domestic purpose, in other words, it's not something about moving or for the sake of making profit, then it doesn't really matter, does it? it you know, whether you sell it now or 10 years ago, or 20, 10 years time, it's your home and it, it, it has no relevance in terms of the, the value. Um, but those that have bought and have now got to sell for one reason or another, then yes, those are going to be affected. And the reason why some have got to sell is that the mortgages or the fixed rates or the rates that they had managed to secure have now become beyond um, uh, affordability. And so they've now got to think about selling and therefore they would have to adjust their uh, thinking as to what they would t take as an offer against having to continue to pay maybe a higher rate and not getting a benefit. And then, of course, the other other sellers are, are institutions, people that have lent money out to um, borrowers who no longer can afford to continue to pay those high rates that are now being endured on. So they would have to sell. So there are different types of sellers in the marketplace, and those sellers will adjust the figures based on what they've got to get back. And in some cases, some lenders will only probably just look for their return of their investment. They realise they're probably not going to make money on it, but they'd rather get the money back and re-lend it currently at the higher rates 
and get you know make their money back so you know it's, it's all about the numbers looking at uh, our second question the home builders federation the hbf uh, they're calling on the government to do more to understand the challenges young households have in getting on the housing ladder, engage productivity, pr product proactively rather with uh, the industry and take a constructive tone when uh, discussing new build homes. According to a new survey carried out by the trade body, more than 70% of the public believe the government is responsible for fixing the country's shortage of homes, yet fewer than one in five people think politicians truly understand the challenges facing young people trying to get on the property ladder. Research shows 68% of people believe that building more homes is vital to resolving the country's housing crisis and a staggering 72% place responsibility for solving the country's shortage of homes firmly at the door of politicians. The Housing the Nation report explores public perceptions of the country's chronic shortage of homes and the research reveals 78% of people agree there is a housing crisis. To tackle the crisis, 68% of people said they agree that you've got to build more homes. 80% of respondents are supportive uh, or not averse to new homes being built in their local area. <laughs> they say that on a survey. And 71% respondents feel the housing crisis is making the country less equal and more divided. Now, that's a really interesting one I wanted to get to. 71% of people say that the lack of homes is making our country less equal and more divided. What's your thoughts on that, Joe? Well, I mean, it's, it's a high percentage, but there's, there's a couple of things in, in, in that question, Paul. One is that I do uh, tend to agree um, largely that a lot of this does lie at the doorstep of the government. Um, and primarily, what really, I suppose, aggravates me as a, an individual, both in property and as a homeowner, is that the government uses us like a pawn on the on the chess table. They they just look at it and think, oh well, you know things aren't going well with us, so we'll switch on the property market or we will switch off the property market, um, and that is is quite um, challenging. They do have control. We know how they really strongly value us, don't you? Because every time there is a minister change, the property has a new minister. Um, and none of them actually have a clue about the property. They're just like given a job and say you can become the housing minister, but you haven't got a clue uh, as to what is really going on. So I think um, I, 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 I tend to agree that um, you know most of it does lie at the government's doorstep. Um, and when you look at you know what will happen, just watch this space over the next 12 months, you'll see how quickly it will be the government that I, you know, if you just take the shortest time a year ago, you know, in the in the autumn budget, there was absolutely nothing for the house. It was zero, zilch, nitched. It was nothing there. This autumn budget, it will be all about the housing market. So that tells you what what is how they use the property market as the pawn as to when they feel they can drive. Because we, as individuals, people that want to buy and invest in property, are property driven. You know, if you ask. 10 people, uh, probably eight would be property investors. There might be some or savers and the others might play the stock market, but this is quite a high percentage that will look at the property market. And so the government uses that to its best ability um, in terms of you know, making sure that 
people are always going to be watching that space and thinking, right, I want to buy, I want to sell. This is the right time. Can I get the right rate? Can I go to the right broker? Can I get the right percentage? Can I get the right um, discount? What can I negotiate? You know, all of those things start to sort of come in and people wait for that. And that's that's what they, they drive us through. Um, uh, so I do firmly believe it, that you know, the question is that it lies firmly at the doorstep of the housing market. The problem we have, of course, is um, space and and um, uh, and how that happens. So if you look at any local authority, they have uh, a given mandate, they have certain things they've got to do. And at the moment, we have a lot of local authorities that don't have the uh, infrastructure, the power, the people um, in order to actually even police planning laws and get them through. The things are taking way too long, far too long. Um, a lot of them are still working from home. You know, they took this advantage of the pandemic and you can't even find a planning officer in some cases. Some towns, some governments, local governments have, have gone bust or are going bust. There's so many more that are in the, in the, in the currency. So they, they, their concentration levels are probably trying to think, well, can I save myself as opposed to can I actually build more houses? So, you know, their whole priorities are very, very wrong. Interesting that um, the, uh, where am I here? I've lost my place. Hang on. Uh, oh, yes. 72% of respondents believe responsibility for solving the housing crisis sits most heavily with the government. And yet, 55% think that solving the housing crisis is actually a priority for politicians. So everyone's pretty much three quarters of people saying, right, it's the government's fault not building enough homes, but only 55% think it's a priority for politicians. Now that's an interesting dichotomy in itself. Well, it's only a priority when it needs to be a priority. That's the problem. Um, so that's why it's 55% as a, as a priority and, and a higher percentage of, of the fault lies at their doorstep. When you look back at all of the discussions we've had through our programs, it's always been about, but A, we, we are a housing property program, and B, everything relates to it. And that's why there's so much data, so much important stuff that is available for us to discuss and to share with our viewers and listeners that government does drive this situation about planning. Government does drive, drive the whole thing about whether we are gonna build more. And yet they continue to make promises about, and it doesn't matter what color you are, whether you're a red government or a blue government, they've all been making promises of, of, of solving the housing crisis. What's scary to think is that, you know, whilst there's a whole number of people saying there's a, a, a housing crisis, there's lots and lots of places that are lying empty, that are not being used, can't be used, um, and, you know, are, are, are unaffordable. And so how is it possible to continue to want to develop more when things they stock lying empty and not doing anything and yet there's this huge problem of number of people that have got homes the rental market in itself is is, is colossal and has been going crazy because there's not enough property to to rent out yet there are properties that are lying empty with developers who have not been able to sell them because the mortgage rates are too high so you know, it is the left and the right not really knowing exactly what to do and they're not actually communicating and not communicating well when actually I think there's probably enough stock to cover the majority of the people that want to be in it, whether they want to live in it or they want to rent it or they want to own it. There's, there's enough there to be done. But of course it helps them to have this crisis because that's part of what, they're, that's what they use to, to drive the vehicle. 
Only 18% of people think that politicians truly understand what the challenges are facing young people trying to get on the housing ladder. But interestingly, Joe, 40% of respondents agree with the statement housing will be an important factor in determining who I vote for at the next election. So almost half of people think, yes, housing's, their approach to housing will be um, very important in their decision of who they vote for. Um, just recently, we had the, the latest, whoever this is, housing minister talking about their success in building houses. But the HBF say that um, the House Building Federation, who um, who did this uh, survey, said that recent data shows the number of new homes gaining planning permission is continuing to nosedive. The Federation is predicting if the numbers continue on this downward trajectory, the government implement and government implements an anti-development uh, planning reform. Uh, housing supply could fall to the lowest level since World War Two. So there's clearly a difference of opinion here. But um, uh, well, if you if you if you I have had a look at the text of the uh, of, of the latest housing minister's speech, and it's it's it commits to nothing, frankly. But then that's no surprise, I guess. What's your thoughts on what the HBF is saying that about the planning number of planning permissions going through nosediving? Well, as I said earlier on, just uh, not 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 knowing it will be a question that you're going to be raising. But the point is that. Um, you will see that a lot of uh, councils uh, are are in difficult times, and uh, you know I know that as a, as a, a, an auctioneer and as a, in the property, I get a lot of clients coming to me to say, you know, we we can't get our planning permission through because you know the planning offices are not available, or they are working from home, or we can't get a site visit, we can't actually see them or meet them or they can discuss it. So there's a lot of issues with that, and that is government-led, isn't it? Because at the end of the day, it's local government-led. It may not be uh, national government-led, but it's local government-led. It's, it's, a, it's a funnel system, doesn't it? It starts at the top and has to come through. But it's not coming through because it's clogged up with the, with the scenario of not enough people, not enough planning um, uh, uh, officers available, um, and too many regulations and laws and too many people were scared to put that there. You know, we, you just stated that 55% of the people, local people say they don't have an objection for uh, building more houses. Actually, they're probably the worst people. Um, and, and that's why, you know, I, I saw you have a, a little snigger that they do that. But when it comes to the policy and somebody says, I'm going to build in your backyard, they are the first ones that will say no because they don't want it. But of course, in a, in a in a in a survey, they will tell you that of course they want to see more houses being built. But if someone turns around and says that you know the the land behind you behind you is going to be now a housing development, they will congregate together, have a meeting, and say we don't want those to be there. So you know, as much as they say it's good to to do that, they just don't want it done in their garden, in their doorstep. They don't mind it having happening somewhere else, but they don't want it in their own doorstep. They say that whilst interest rates remain high, the closure of the government's help to buy scheme in England last March marked the first time in decades no first-time buyer support scheme has been in place at a time when arguably with all the rates and uh, the cost of living crisis, it's arguably when it's most needed, Joe. Well, that was not that, that, that was absolutely no surprise to me whatsoever because of this inflation rate that was so high, they were going to tighten their belt left, right and centre and that's exactly what they do. But I think you'll find that um, come the autumn statement, we will see the uh, revitalised, a new, new version of Help to Buy will come out where um, it will help this, the, the first-time buyers um, come back into the housing market and probably not just with new builds, it will probably come back with the option to buy 
uh, you know, second-hand homes as well as new builds, whereas it was only originally set out for new builds um, in, in, the, in, the, in conjunction with developers. Um, but there will be some sort of scheme, I'm, I'm pretty confident, that will come out with, which allows people to sort of not just have to buy new builds. The irony in all of this, of course, is that the strongest support for building more homes was concentrated among the older age groups, with 74% of 55-64s and 71% of 65-pluses agreeing that more new homes were vital to touching, uh, tackling the crisis. Uh, not so much support for building new homes in the younger age group, but yet they're the ones that are struggling to get on the ladder. Well, no, because, you know, uh, the younger age group are not really... Um, fussed about uh, the new homes, they just want to be able to get on the ladder, let alone what ladder. Um, so uh, if, if it's possible for them, uh, yes. But new homes often come at a, a premium price in many things. Um, a, they're normally 10% higher than the majority because it's, it's, it's a new situation. Uh, it's a bit like buying a new car, you're always going to pay a bit more for it. Um, and then, of course, it's the cost of it. It's, it's the cost of all of the um, things about getting the mortgage. Now, mortgages, for example, are being attractive right now by people uh, for lower rates, perhaps, but what they also got to see is the hidden costs of the charges, the, the, uh, you know, the interest, not just the interest, i.e. monetary interest, but what the bank is putting in as uh, arrangement fees or other um, fees that are added, which actually long-term pushes the rate up much higher but on a visual the rate might appear to be much cheaper and therefore uh, get involved so new new homes and young buyers have got all of that to to contend with not only are they not getting the right mortgage affordability but they may have to find other fees that they probably didn't have planned to in order to secure the mortgage in the first place Let's look at our final story of the day. Uh, Property Mark cautiously welcomed Rishi Sunak's decision to weaken some of the government's net zero pledges on gas boilers and EPC ratings for landlords to ensure they are proportionate. Of course, we did report on this right at the start when we were told when these new EPCCs were supposed to be coming in. But he's watered down the requirements on gas boilers so that households will only have to make the switch when they are changing their boiler anyway, and not until 2035 now. The Prime Minister also Scrap proposed deadlines for minimum C rating for new tenancies by 2025 and all rentals by 28, a move welcomed by landlords and letting agents. Uh, he also increased grants to help owners switch from boilers to heat pumps from five to seven and a half thousand. Um, and uh, they said that um, uh, property agents have been desperate for clarity on the UK government for new plans for energy efficiency targets and now we know that the plan changes will be scrapped with no new targets for homeowners and landlords. Uh, they continue to want to see more energy efficient homes but as long as we have uh, uh, but as we have long said, the rules and requirements must be realistic and achievable for the sector. So generally speaking, um, uh, some positive reaction. But uh, interestingly, uh, about four out of five landlords, if you look at another element of the same story, have prepared for EPC legislation prior to his U-turn. So it looks like um, quite a few landlords, uh, and they surveyed 1,012 of them, um, uh, but had already got on and done the work. So uh, spending anything between, in this survey, between £520,000. Interesting. What's your view on all of this? Should he have done it or shouldn't he? Look, I think, I think uh, it's, it's a mixed reaction. My, my view from a property point of view 
is that I think it was unrealistic um, in terms of uh, you know 2025 to achieve all those goals. Uh, I think they realised that there's you know especially the current uh, crisis that we're going through the cost of living. There's too much other cost that people are having to bear. So in in that situation, it's probably called for that there was a delay put on it. I've not a hundred percent. Uh, avid supporter myself that everything is going to become green and electric because you know I remember when everybody started saying you've got to get rid of cars that are petrol you've got to get diesel and now diesel is not the in thing and now electric's back in um, and and so you know there's always going to be a change and where I can't even say to you that that's going to change again because you know if there is a change of, of power then you know the other lot will come back with another situation so nothing is set in stone but I think it's right that there is a delay, more time is given, considering the cost that we are all having to endure right now, not only with mortgages, but with all the utilities that have gone up. So um, extra time is important, but it's equally good to see that people have taken heed of that target and majority of them are now um, in good shape and ready. And they have to be because at the end of the day, if they're renting a property out in 2023, 2024, coming up to 25, and that person's in there for another, you know, two or three or four years, long long term tenant, it's going to be a nightmare to try and get them out to do the refurbishing or or upgrading to a minimum seat. So where possible, most when it comes vacant or are about to rent to somebody new now, are already targeting minimum seat so that they don't have to have that as a future. That's just good management. This is a good thing to have. And it's good that a lot of people have taken on that. But then there are people that are now new. So new buyers, new uh, landlords are already making those plans because they know that their new tenants may be in there for longer than, you know, a couple of years. And because of that, you're, you're going to turn around and find that they'll have to redo the whole thing anyway in a few years time. So all precautions and, 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 uh, and uh, plans are good. Um, but in my mind, I think it was wise for him to um, delay it. It's not going to happen. We are, we're not taking away the fact that um, the energy efficiency and the greener policy is going to be uh, still implemented um, worldwide by 2035. Uh, it's just given a little bit of time internally in the UK for people to catch up after having had the current crisis that, that they, we, we, we've all been going through. Yes, the uh, average price that uh, landlords are paying to upgrade to C is 25,148. If you're in London, it's 37,164 for some reason. Um, and uh, most landlords are saying that they welcome the delay because currently the high cross cost of labour uh, and skilled labour, obviously, to do this work is what's making it so preventative for them. Yes, I mean, as I said, it's a current cost of everything. It's not just current cost of labor, current cost of materials, current cost of borrowing. All of those things have, you know, made it difficult to try and achieve that target of 2025. So I think in those circumstances, Rishi has obviously looked at supporting the people um, and giving them a bit more time. And as, as the market changes over the next year, 18 months, two years, and perhaps um, you know, we, we know who will become in power for the next four or five years thereafter. It, it's, it's a good plan to give the people the chance to actually at least, you know, evaluate their own costing 
and evaluate their own um, budgeting to make sure that they are well within the timescale in the long term. So I don't think it's a, it's a bad thing and it's, it is certainly welcome. But of course, you know, we know oppositions and other politicians will make, you know, this as a, a weakness. Uh, I think it's quite logical. Um, and we would do it. If you were a household yourself, you would actually look at what is priority, what isn't. And you say to yourself, well, I'm having to pay for this, I'm having to pay for that. I can't afford to pay for this. But if I if I got a bit longer to pay for that and deal with that, of course, that is going to be always welcome news, isn't it, for anybody? There is one positive to end on. Of course, those landlords that have spent the money and got the buildings up to EPCC will, of course, be the first to attract good tenants because they'll appreciate the fact that they're going to have to spend less on their energy bills, etc., because the property is more insulated, just as a simple example. Absolutely, and that's what I'm saying. Those that have taken heed and, and been on that journey, excellent news for them uh, because that's that's the key thing. But equally, it's given time now for those that haven't been able to make that time um, and hopefully that extra five years will give them the opportunity. And on that note, I think we'd better leave it there for this week. Our time is up with Property Matters. We'll see you again very soon for another Property Matters.